Greetings and welcome everyone to the 92nd episode, season two of the Chief Yuya podcast, where we are continuing our talks around eldership. And of course, we'll be pulling from uh, the book of Titus a little bit more, but um, we're going to also be looking at some of the context around this this um, role of eldership and and more specifically spiritual motherhood. Now, this uh, segment, I kind of went over once again, (laughs) I went over uh, like I have with some of those in the past because it's such a vast subject that um, uh, even with me seeking to be, you know, really cherry picking what I'm going to speak about, you know, it's still so much to cover because um, defending our roles as elders and as youngers and as disciples and as people um, discipling, it, it's a it's a vast work. You know, it's so broad and so wide. All of the things that we have to be mindful of that uh, I could really speak about this for a long time. In truth, I'll probably even come back and do some more Jezebel <laughs> segments at some point at some point, because, you know, there's so much I could even still speak on on the Jezebel story. If you notice, I didn't even really break down, um, that story scripture by, you know, verse by verse, if you notice. Um, so we're going to get into, I'm not going to, uh, speak too much. We're going to jump right into it because, um, like I said, I went over. So I'm going to start with giving you your movie that we're going to be doing for this, for this particular podcast. And I know some of the, the movies as of late been, um, you know, touching and tapping on uh, different themes about not only femininity and womanhood, but really going beneath the surface of what we may value and call the greatest of our femininity. But we looked at Veronica decides to die um, in our last session. And that, and that came from a book that was written in 98 by um, Paulo Coelho. He was anyone who's ever read The Alchemist. He was the author of that book. So it had it had a similar sort of journey story, if you will, to the alchemist. Veronica decides to die, but a lot of little pieces in there, you know, for you to pull out. And of course, the book was uh, great too. I read the book; it was pretty good. You know, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it was alchemist level, <laughs> good, but it was it was pretty good as far as books go. So, you know, feel free to check that out. All right. Um, so. The movie that we're going to be uh, tapping into for this uh, session, for this seven-day cycle, is the Marva Collins story. The Marva Collins story, man. One of my all-time favorites. Absolutely. I've probably watched this movie easily 30 times. <laughs> easily. <laughs> Um, you know, she's, it's about a school teacher who basically starts her own independent school. And because I was someone who did exactly that, you know, um, it was, it was a movie that was always very inspiring for me, you know, so I watched it a lot. I'm not going to give a lot of detail on it, but we will be watching it. Um, you know, I'll share afterwards, but we'll be watching it at 5:35 PM Eastern this coming seventh day or this coming Sabbath. All right. So definitely this one, watch with us. This one. If you didn't watch the other ones, watch this one with us, man, because um, this one really typifies a lot of what our culture is as I knew. And in particular, the responsibility of the original woman and I knew and the responsibility of the original child 
and I knew it really highlights that. So I think it's you can learn a lot by watching the Marva Collins story about this experience, this movement that we we call our new. All right. Now, with that, I'm also going to give you um, your proverb uh, for this session. And this session's proverb is such. Those who seek temporary security rather than basic liberty deserve neither. Okay. Now that is your proverb. For this 92nd episode of the Chief Yuya podcast. And with that, we are actually, we're going to jump right into the teaching. Like I said, I went over. So, um, of course, we'll be cutting some other pieces like our Q and A's and stuff, you know, so I'm just warning you now, <laughs> but be prepared with your, um, pencil, pen, digital, t- you know, your stylus, your tablet, however you take your notes. Um, because I will be citing some scripture here and, you know, explaining some things in it. All right. So let's go. Yes, everyone. So with uh, this session's teaching, I really want to put a focus on context, right? You know, one of the things that I, I share commonly is when you're studying something, you want to look at who's speaking, who's being spoken to, and what's going on at that time. And I would say that the book of Titus, it provides us some really excellent opportunities to, to sort of utilize that, that study science, if you will, you know, really taking a look at how we're looking at things or uh, not how we're looking at things, but really taking a look at, um, the context. So with Titus, one of the, the important things to remember, and I said this in the last session is that He's speaking to, well, Paul is speaking to Titus, who is his understudy, is his disciple, who he left to handle the uh, island of Crete. And, you know, Crete is, um, Crete is like the New York City of Greece. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a huge island. And, um, the thing about it is that, again, in having context, one of the first things that you'll know or find out is that, Crete was a wild place. You know, when you when you hear about the the wildness of the Greeks, um, Crete was, I would say, probably the epitome of that sort of uh, debauchery and perversion and malignment of um, spiritual values. Right. So this is why the book of Titus is short and Paul gets right to the point, you know, because what he's really doing is he's combating the seeping in of false teachings into pure doctrine. There was this, this hybridization that was being created because at that time in, in, um, in Crete, you know, there was a, there was a lack of urgency in terms of how people were underlying the doctrine that they were supposed to be living by. And essentially what was happening is that people were mixing Greek the Greek pantheon inside of their uh, the teaching, the Hebraic teachings that they were receiving. So when you look at Crete, because even when you look at um, uh, Grecian Grecian mythology, I've taught some of it, and if you look, go pull up some of the old podcasts. You hear me speaking about diff- different Greek quote unquote gods, and um, most of them were born on the island of Crete. 
you know, Crete was a was a very special place in 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 that sense because it was kind of where uh, those gods were elevated. And a lot of times, the way it worked is that uh, in Grecian mythology, you might have people who were just mortal men or mortal women, and you know there was a gender piece in there too that was very important. And through certain feats, certain acts, certain favors they may do, or whatever they would be able to ascend um, into a, the you know Mount Olympus as gods. So it was their their work that allowed them to raise up their work their work on Earth. But most of those gods were born on the island of Crete. You know they were like even it was spoken about with Zeus. Zeus was man who became god. You know so Crete was. Uh, a hub of worship for the Grecian pantheon, right? So it was so deep in, in, in Crete, it was so saturated with that Grecian culture of, you know, with those different gods, that that started to seep and secrete itself into the early ecclesiastical, the early congregations of brothers and sisters who were coming into a more powerful light. So... You had the Zeus concept where it was this, this man who ascended to godhood, but the Hebraic concept or the messianic concept was the exact opposite. It was this God who descended into manhood, right? So there was like, we'll do the opposite of whatever you're talking about and try to kind of undermine. Even when you speak about, you think about the characteristics of the Grecian gods, Zeus in particular, and I'm calling up Zeus because being the head, you know, he really typifies a lot of what what the perception was of those gods. But Zeus would do anything to sleep with a woman or a man or a boy, right? He'd do anything. Uh, he would use his shape-shifting abilities and disguise himself to be something else. He would lie. Um, he was a womanizer and the, the, the Cretes at that time, the Cretans, they, um, they, they worshiped that idea. They were, they were proud of that idea. It's kind of like how people speak about different, uh, let's say rap entertainers or different, um, politic politicians and how they're praised because of their ability to lie. They're praised because of their ability to tell you in so many different ways how much better than you they are or a politician's ability to seem you know politic polite they, they have the same root they come from the same root polite to be polite so you know being polite or using politics is a form of of manipulation i'll be polite and still get what i want you know or use it to get what i want so these are things that were upheld and worshipped and and deified even so the concept of, well, Zeus, my head, God is a liar. He's even raped women. He's raped human women, you know, so he miscegenates people. And um, when you're looking at all of this different context and all of this, this underhandedness in terms of that culture, Paul is saying, hey, do not assimilate Yahuwah with that. Yahuwah ain't Zeus. You see, and that's kind of what happens when you just use the term God. What God? Right? It could be Zeus. It could be Apollo. It could be Hercules. It could be Freda. It could be any of them. Or it could be Yahuwah. It could be Adonai. 
you know, it could be Rafa, it could be so many, you know, um, when you don't utilize names, you know, so Paul was making sure, you know, from the rip, listen, there, this is different. So you see, he's speaking about, um, like, first off, uh, when you look at Titus one, I'm gonna pull that up. Titus one and Titus one and one. Really, actually, we could do one and one. All right. So let me just. I got. I have my phone here. I'm gonna do like I did last time and pull up scriptures as I go. So, like in Titus one and one, he says, "Paul, a servant of Yahuwah and an apostle of Yahushai, Hamashiach." According to the faith of Yahuwah's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. So you see when he says, and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. So he starts off what he's saying by making a contrast. Like, look, what we're dealing with, we only dealing, we're not, we're not, um, we're not uplifting lying. Like there's nothing cute about being a liar. There's nothing cute about being a manipulator. You know, these these are things that are in alignment with this this Grecian sick, perverted culture, what these Cretes do, you know, and that's not what we do. So he, he starts off, you know, from the rip making contrast. He says in hope of eternal life, which Yahuwah that cannot lie, see, that cannot lie. You see what he's doing? So he's immediately going after Zeus in his his first lines in hope of eternal life, which Yahuwah that cannot lie. Or we could say who cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me, according to the commandment of Yahuwah, our savior to Titus, mine own son. After the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from Yahuwah, the Father, and the Lord, Yahawashai, Hamashiach, our Savior. Right? So, when you understand the context and you understand, oh, this just wasn't fluff. <laughs> you know, he was like, he was, he was coming out the gate guns blazing. You know, that's really what he was doing. He was coming out saying, look, yeah, well... Because everyone's dancing around saying, yeah, Zeus lies and it's cool. It's all right. Ha, 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 ha. And Paul comes out the gate saying, our God doesn't lie. Our God tells the truth. So he's showing, yo, this has to be a contrast between us and them. These are important things in terms of context when we speak about discipleship, right? Because he's saying from the beginning, Zeus can't be trusted. But Yahuwah can be trusted to do what he promised to do. For the good of, of his elect, his people. Notice doesn't say the world, <laughs> his elect, right? So then Paul, you know, when he's speaking about just, um, the, just the profoundness, what he's doing is he's clashing up against the cultural mythology that existed on Crete by making it clear that, um, Yahuwah, that's why he brought, I mean, excuse me, Yahawashai, he brought Yahawashai right into the conversation, you know, and immediately deifies Yahawashai, you see, right from the very beginning. So he's he's making it clear, like, again, 
we have a different sort of situation going on. And he's making it also clear that this deity, this Elohim that is for us, was not made in the image of Zeus. You see, but these Cretans, in a Cretan, you know, you've heard that term before, right? You start to understand where it comes from. <laughs> these Cretans are made in the image of Zeus. They're being remade in the image of Zeus. So what was popular, you know, I spoke about this in the last podcast, you know, when I spoke about gossip and slandering, and I said that that's what women did there. Like that was, that was almost like a holy act for them. Because why? They were emulating their deity. So the concept of like being being a liar, um, being promiscuous, raping, you know, um, being manipulative, being self-indulgent. These were all things that became um, synonymous with modeling yourself after these particular deities. You know, there was a term they would use, which was cretizo. We say Cretan, but Cretizo, Cretizo um, means it, well, it means Cretan, but Cretizo means to be a liar. When you say someone's a Cretizo, you know, it means they're a liar. Right. So or there even is a term um, Cretanizing. Cretanizing means to be not telling the truth. Right. So these people were so made over <laughs> that the very name of the island and the people who lived on it was synonymous with being this type of person. You know, not to mention the level of violence that they waged on each other and, and on women. And and they had this concept where they were, the women were considered to be like these new modernized women, you know, on the island. And many of them were very wealthy and they were considered to be freed and independent from men because they were able to enjoy a lot of the privileges that the Greek men also enjoyed because of their, their wealth. Right. So there was this concept there um, where the women, a lot of times would have very casual, they would have casual sex. They would explore any sort of perverse um, appetite they wanted to explore. And they were just, they were just shirking off marriage and the home. They like, I don't want nothing to do with that. I got, I have money. I have money. I can go out here. I can sleep with whoever I want. I can do whatever I want. I don't want to get, there's no reason to get married. Right? Sound familiar? But all of this was in alignment with, this was all in the image of Zeus. So it was like, okay, that makes sense based on this is, this is how Zeus would get down. So, um, the key is when you are walking in the truth, you are being remade in the truth of your deity. If your deity is Zeus and you say things like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you're calling up all these, these different gods of this, of these, these perverse, these perverse, these perverse and demonic <laughs> gods, then sure. Then you'll be made in that, in that energy and in that image. But, um, at this time, the problem was Paul was getting news that some of the members of Crete, some of the members of that of those churches there, they were starting to look like the Cretans. So what they were doing was they were infusing some of their Cretan, the, the cultural Cretan values into the church. It's kind of like now when you see like images of Kirk Franklin 
with a sleeveless shirt on and like gyrating on stage, but to gospel music, you know, or you see um, people like the comedian uh, Country Wayne, who's always he wears that chain. Jesus is popping. But if you watch his skits, they're all about him having sex with all these different women and stuff like there's nothing Jesus or or Christian about what he brings. So he's really a, a religious grifter at the end of the day. And that's for so many other people as well. You know, I saw an image recently of Kanye West. He threw a party at one of his places and he had a naked woman lay, laying on a table and people were eating sushi off of her body. You know, but this is the same person who did the song Jesus Walks and everybody. And he got onto the gospel award shows performing that song. And whenever and he has the services that he does on, on Sundays and. You know, whenever he wants to get on camera and say something like God, about God and this and then people, everyone applauds. But really, they're grifters. They're really demons underneath all of that. They're grifters at the end of the day. You know, so that was what Paul was speaking against. Like, look, you know, we're supposed to be separate. You know, so you have these young churches, but um, the teachings that you're coming under are really destructive. These are not really leaders that are approaching the gates, if you will. So um, the leaders of the actual churches, quote unquote, or the ecclesiasticals were so saturated and so invested in Christian culture that they started to become, they started to even bring some of those values or those ethics into that environment. Right. So when he says, you know, and that's how you kind of notice is true. Cause you, let me pull up. You look at Titus one, twelve. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, "The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies." That's what Paul said in uh, uh, Titus one and twelve. Right now, we get some some real world, if you will. You know, um, well, actually, we look at 13 where he says this witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. So he's a, he's he's pulling something from Christian culture. It would be like if I quoted, um, I don't know, I quote, I quoted um, Yusef, uh, um, Malik Yusef. Right. He's a he's a poet. Um, or I quoted uh Saul Williams, you know, whomever, you know, and I said, they said, they said this or someone who's deeply entrenched in ridiculous culture. Maya Angelou was somebody who was entrenched in deep in ridiculous culture. Alice Walker, somebody entrenched Oprah Winfrey entrenched. the list goes on and on. Shaquille O'Neal. Right. And I quoted them and then said, but you know what? Even though they are. This is an insane person. Actually, what they're saying is right. It's true. Right. So when Paul was saying that he was referring to the quote to, to there's a there was a poet, um, Epimenides and Epimenides had this poem. And in the poem, he said, Cretans are always liars, vicious beasts and lazy gluttons. So you can you know, you can look up that poem. But um, that's what Paul, that's what Paul was talking about. So he was pulling he was letting them know, like, look, man, I know I know who they are over there. I'll even quote one of their one of their people, one of their poets, you know. So what was happening is at this time, because all of this like debauchery and free willed 
Cretan spirit was coming in, the truth or the way wasn't looking, <laughs> it wasn't looking as shiny anymore. It was like, eh, I don't know if I really want to, you know, just, it's like, we need to infuse some of this in here. Like we need to have these, these gospel strip shows. We need to take, you know, the, this R and B music and infuse it with gospel music. Cause that makes it more exciting. We need to have preachers who are buff, you know, could stand up there with tank tops on and tattoos and, you know, kind of identify. You don't have to wear the suits anymore or dress up or anything. Even though when Moses first approached the mountain, the Most High said, man, go home and clean clean your feet and come back. You're on holy ground. Go wash up, <laughs> you know. But no, now we just come as you are. It doesn't matter. Wherever you want to wear, you know, just come in. So that's kind of what he was speaking about. Like, so he's basically, when he's speaking, He's telling the elders, man, get your act together, get it together, because there's a certain ethic that we're supposed to stay on. And and you have false leaders coming into the into the space and they're only looking to get what they what they want to get for themselves. And you have to straighten that out, because as a result, you're giving this movement and what we do a bad name. You see, so when he starts saying that we have to have different kind of households where there's. Uh, mature men and it's mature women who model the control, the self-control and the discipline and the honor and the integrity that we want to see in the younger people. And that the women who are in this way should not be going for this new modern Cretan woman image or the, or what they used to call the new Roman woman. You can't put together. She can't be, I'm, I'm chasing the bag. I'm chasing the bag. I thank God, you know, she got a big cross on her neck. You know, I thank God because I'm about my money. I'm about my paper. I'm about getting that bag. You know, the two don't go together. So that was one of the things that that he was sharing is like you have to turn aside from the violence because Cretans were, were known mercenaries too. like they were very violent people. So they would get hired out for assassinations and wars a lot. But, you know, turn aside from that that violence and be helpful where you're at, even down to your household servants. You know, because even the servants would like they would participate in rebellions because they would be listening. They would be in Christian culture like, man, we don't have to do it. Yeah, I know we only we only have to do this for seven years. This is how we contracted and to be uh, what we would call a, a slave or a servant for seven years. But I ain't even doing that. I'm not honoring my word. You see. So. There was a new sort of perspective and an alternative to the alternative to the creating to the creating life that Paul was was kind of um creating a juxta, juxtaposition between the Cretans and the and and the Cretans and, and and the followers of the way. Because the Cretans were they were evil, they were liars, they were lazy, they were gluttonous. So when he's speaking to the followers of the way, he's starting out saying, hey, be sober. Which is, you know, being self controlled. Be just what does just mean? You can't just walk around being violent and being, you know, just, you know, unconsciously violent. Be pious. Don't be a liar. You know, be peaceable. Be just. Be generous. Be um, be obedient to the authorities that you have contracted with. Right. So he's saying do not assimilate with those around you. I can't tell you how many times I've spoken to people and they use 
people in the world who ain't really about what we're doing as models of things inside of the way. You know, I've heard women talk about Rihanna. You know, Riri, I don't give a goddamn about Rihanna or Riri or ASAP Rocky and their, and their, their little demon child that they, they can create. I know people, oh, how you call a baby a demon? Yeah, if you knew what I knew, if you knew what I knew, I know mathematics, so I know how to create a devil. See, that's what Yakub did. Yakub, Yakub, Yakub said, "I'm going to show and prove that I am God by creating devil." And he gave the exact formula for how to create a devil. You see, so I know how to create a devil, and I know how to create a god. So I can sit there and watch you create a, a, a devil, and I'm not going to assimilate into your sick culture. I'm not going to use anything that you're doing as a modeling of of what it is that I'm doing because we're not doing the same thing. You know, so it, it, there has to be obviously a loving kindness in what we do. But at the same time, we have to be able to understand that things that sometimes things that we don't med- meditate on long enough um, can be so transforming in the wrong way because we have to understand we have to be tapped into something that. Reminds us that we're powerful enough not to be the culture around us. We don't have to be Cretans. That's not necessarily something we, we need to do. But we have to always be focused on right relationship with our Elohim and with our neighbor. Who is our neighbor? Our neighbor are those in our community. Who are those in our communities? Those who serve the same Elohim. If you out here serving Baal and Molech and, and, and Molech and Astarte and Baphomet, we're not on the same team. I don't have to apply the neighborly love to you. <laughs> you know, I don't have to look out for your children and your babies. It, it's yours. That's Your babies are going to be problems 20 years from now for my babies. I don't have any love for your babies. You see? See, that's that's the trap when you start to when you're surrounding inside of a philosophy that becomes so prevalent that it becomes very easy for you to lose the empowerment of your sanctification or the empowerment of your separation. You see, and it's not to say that those people cannot change, but it's not, you know, unless you're you're told by the most high, go change them. It's not your responsibility to do it. You don't have to be you don't have to stay stuck. And their imagery and in their idea and you don't have to conform to their culture in order to even have a conversation with them. Because if you're moving with with the true and living knowledge, the true, the true and living understanding, the true and living wisdom, then that's powerful enough to transform everything around you to the point that they become renewed. You become that that agent of change that renews everything around you. So you don't necessarily have to hide per se, or even declare war. I mean, you're standing on standing on your square, and your square is your truth, is truth, not your truth. That's an act of war, anyway. <laughs> you know, that's an act of war to a perverse culture. But you know, when you become spiritually empowered in that sense, is when it brings you up, and it's so important to understand. Sometimes we're um, some of the things you may do where they come from or some of the things that you see in culture where they may come from or what the agenda is. Just like you're seeking to reclaim your ancestral heritage and your ancestral rights and your ancestral power, so are other people. 
So were other people. But if you don't study and know their ancestors, you won't understand their psychi- their psychology. When you understand about the perversion of, let's say, like um, Emperor Tiberius, right? Um, Tiberius came after um, Augustus Caesar, and Tiberius, like, he was insane. You learn about um, Caligula. Calig- Caligula, I said it right. Um, Caligula. Um, and his insanity, and some people know about Emperor Caligula and his just insanity. I, I can't really come up with any other word, but insanity, you know, but how they would go to these islands, you know, um, and they would just perform all sort of, it almost reminds you of like the Bohemian Gro- Grove, you know, where they, where they go and perform all these different rituals and whatnot. But it, it's kind of like the, um, the Greek island of island of Lesbos. And you can imagine Lesbos with, with that name. <laughs> you know, and Lesbos means means to be woody or it means to be forested. But um the island of Lesbos is where women would be taken to be trained. And you can imagine what they were being trained in just by the name of the island, Lesbos, right? So, you know, this, these sort of ideas, man, um, you know, not knowing where they're coming from and not knowing where these false, these false teachings are coming from can be so very dangerous to the woman striving to be Titus or the man striving to be the Titus model. And, um, especially, you know, I had spoken about the women, um, in context yesterday. The first thing to understand is that all women need women. It's the first thing you got to understand. All women need women. Now, whether you have a woman that's older, a woman that's younger, at at, at some point in your life, <laughs> there's always going to be a woman that's older than you and there's always going to be a woman that's younger than you. You can't get away from that. There's no point where you sit on the mountain and I'm the oldest woman in the world. No, there's always a woman who's older. There's always a woman that's younger. So there's always opportunities for you to be a disciple and always opportunities for you to disciple. But when you read Titus now, and this is where I'm going to now cut out the whole, well, yeah, because I'm a part of a sister circle with E.I. And yeah, E.I. ain't got no husband. E.I. doesn't even like men. And if she does have a husband, Baba, Baba's a weakling. I already know it because I, I know the environment and the culture that I live inside of. We're, we're in these Cretan, Cretan times, you know, but that's why Paul, because there was so many false teachers out there. That's why Paul was like, look, and let me let me stop you right there. <laughs> Paul was automatically identifying who is appropriate to be someone that you would look to when he starts saying, um, you know, a, a husband of of one wife who has children. And that one, just so you know, because people have tried to use that to speak against polygyny, it's not one numerically. It's saying that he has a wife, you know. Um, so Paul is is making it clear that there there are false teachers here. You know, there are false teachers who are liars, who are beasts, who are gluttonous, so forth and so on. And he did that by citing that Cretan poet. But um at the same time, he's saying, but this is what you're, these are the people you're supposed to be looking at. And these are, these are the people who have been appointed. These are the people I consider elders. When you go, these are the elders who should be starting their own situation 
you know, because Paul said there's many who are insubordinate, you know, because a false teacher, that's really what you're, you're looking at. You know, when you're identifying someone who's insubordinate to the most high, you see, they, they're, they're what, uh, um, Paul called empty talkers, right? If you look at Titus, let me go to real quick. One, I think it's 10, one in 10. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses. God, that, that hits, that hits hard. Teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. Uh, sake. Okay. And lucre means gain, like personal gain, you know, or personal advantage. And that just hits hard, man, because I, I, I've, I've seen it. I see it every day now. I see it today. False teachers getting up and just destroying whole legacies, whole legacies, destroying them because you want to fatten up that church offering plate. Or you want people to, you know, come support your Patreon or send some donations into your cash app, whatever the situation may be, man. You know, he said they must be silenced. You know, when you're silencing, you know, it's important because he's saying why? Because they're giving a false doctrine that's destroying families. You see, they're teaching what they should not teach. You see, they're including all of these mythological stories is when we're talking about what's happening in Titus. They're including all of these mythological stories about the people who were inside of the Hebraic Testament. So they would take these characters from the Hebraic Testament, you know, your, 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 your Samson's and your Job's and so forth and so on, your Methuselah's, and they would turn them into like mythical, mythical creatures almost. You see that today. Sometimes you watch movies, watch the movie Noah. Methuselah was a, was a warlock, <laughs> you know, um, and they do this for shameful gain. You see that they, they do it for shameful gain. So even what he was saying when he was quoting Epimenides, he's like saying, look, even their, their own people know who they are. Like, you know, if you even, you know, you're going to believe me because I'm Paul, but even if you don't believe me, their own people know how evil they are. Listen to the poetry of their time. And they're telling you, and I think that's a deep thing because. Again, we look at movie and TV, right? We, well, just look at entertainment. We all make jokes about politicians. <laughs> we all know politicians lie. When people study political science in school, they already know that you got to lie. We know you're going to lie. We know lawyers lie. Everyone knows that. But then we are guilted into voting anyway. And to and to following some sort of... Which, it's supposed to be some sort of balance and ethical due process. When in truth, those of us who are melanin rich are prisoners of war. We're not even subject to these laws because you've broken treaties. With our, with, you've broken treaties with our nation. Your laws don't apply to us. You have to deal with the treaties you broke. That's a whole nother show. But anyway, <laughs> so even saying, man, these, their people know who they are. And when he says so, rebuke them sharply. He's saying rebuke them, you know, 
it, it, you use that sword of your tongue and you tear apart the character that you're seeing in front of you, you know, so that way people won't turn away from the truth anymore. You see, and when he speaks about in Titus, uh, I think it's the 15th. Let me check real quick. You're right, right, right. So Titus one fifteen is where he says, unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. You see, and then he, you know, so he's saying like, look, man, um, they claim to know the most high. They claim to know, you know, Yahweh, but nothing they do is right. You see. They can't even see right. So you might listen to this person. Right? Well, you know, I listen to T.D. Jake sometimes because and I know you're like, man, he used to never say people's names on air. Something has changed. Uh, it's just time. It's enough time has passed. That y'all, I think by now everyone knows I'm not a hater. <laughs> it took it took uh, what? What are we? Two twenty. It took 13 years. But I think by now you can trust that I'm not just here trying to tear people down well i am trying to tear certain people down but i i do it in a very shrewd and strategic way but yeah oh tyler purvey's getting ready to buy bet oh great that's awesome so we can see transvestites on tv all day now awesome <laughs> come on man we're we gonna bring back bobby jones gospel we're gonna bring that back hey remember how he used to talk Welcome to Bobby Jones Gospel. All all that and it's Bobby Jones. When I hear them extra S's, that's how Derek Jackson talks. When you hear them extra S's, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Skip <laughs> skip to the loo, my darling. You know, a lot of skipping. Skipping holding flower baskets with daisies in them. But anyway. So when he's speaking about these things, like when he's speaking about um, just how detestable their very character is because of their disobedience, Titus 1 and 16, they profess that they, they profess, excuse me, that they know Yahweh, but in works, they deny him being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. You see, and reprobate, reprobate, excuse me, if anyone is wondering what that means. That means not um, not being able to be questioned or tested. Um, it's you're not being what you say you are. You know, basically, you're, you're not being what you say you are. Um, really, you're you're worthless because you're not. It's like um, if I build a table <laughs> and you go and you put like a glass of water on the table and the table just explodes into a mushroom cloud like i built it so poorly it, it collapsed so hard that it you know there's like a sinkhole in the middle of the dining room floor like okay that's a reprobate table it, it's not what it said it was supposed to be you know so having that those false teachers he's identifying man these false teachers um they'll still not it doesn't just exist on youtube or in podcasts or inside of your church or your masjid or in your, your Buddhist temple, um, they make their way into your homes. And of course, they're going to take your finances while they're doing it, you know. But once you you detect that that's present, you should be rebuking them immediately. Rebuke them immediately. 
you know, um, and when you're reading this, the text, you know, you're reading how the most high is showing um, that there are coverings that have been appointed for us to have over us. I'll read one and six. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. You see, well, you know, we have a phrase that we say a lot of times, right? Uh, PKs, preacher's kids. What are preacher's kids known for? For being unruly. This is not somebody who's fit to be a pastor or a leader. Your children don't act right or you don't have a mate. You're not a leader according to how it's been appointed to you. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of Yahweh, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, you know, not abusive, not given to filthy lucre or self-gain. But a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast in the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. You see, so much wisdom, you know, just given right there in that space. So much rhythm, you know, rhythm, <laughs> so much wisdom. But, you know, really just understanding like, yeah, man, there's a context of what those disciples look like. And like I said, when it's coming to dealing with your women, especially um, when he speaks about in two and three, older women likewise are, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers of slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, not to your pastor, not to the YouTube personality, not even the chief you. Yeah. Right. To your own husband that the word of Yahuwah may not be reviled. So he's saying amidst all of this craziness in Crete, which is just a sick, perverted culture, there's a, there's a ministry of older women. That's a ministry unto itself. So he's saying you older women have to model what is good, teach what is good. So it's active, you know, to those younger women within the context of their homes. You see, so it's not something you you would turn off, and it's not a um. I I want to be clear on something, man. Uh, especially for like older women, or maybe women who've never had children, or for whatever reason can't have children, you know, or you you just you've had yours already, whatever. Don't think like it's a consolation, <laughs> you know, like oh well, I'll guide a younger woman and help them. You know, through that. Now, of course, that only happens if you're married. So I want to be clear. All you old women who were just so hard headed your entire lives, your 20s, you just thought you were just so awesome. You thought it through your 30s and then by your 40s, you got a little nervous. And by your 50s, it's, it's a wrap now. Nobody wants anything to do with you. There's nothing. The scriptures tell you you're detestable. You're abomination. Nobody wants you. That's the truth of it. So you got to humble up as much as you possibly can. You know, when you hear women, you see these reports sometimes dating in your 40s just sucks. It's terrible. Of course. Who wants to date a 40 year old? Of course, it's terrible. 
What man of strength and quality would want to date a woman who can't bring forth the healthiest seed? And don't tell me anything about what well, Janet Jackson. Janet Jackson paid a lot of money for that test tube, baby. Come on. Let's let's be honest. Let's be real here. You see, and these are the things you need. You should be teaching these younger women. Hey, don't blow your 20s when you have your your your, your cutest because after 26, 27, cute is done. There's nothing more sickening than me. Sometimes I'm speaking to a woman who's 30, 40, 50 years old, and she's trying to do a baby voice and make her, herself seem cute. There's nothing cute about you. After 26, 27, cuteness is done. There's a lot of sexy sexiness that can come in after, you know, up until your mid thirties. <laughs> it's a lot of sexiness that can come in, but cute. No, that's done. That's over with. You'll never have that again. You see? So sometimes that thinking is like, well, my cuteness is done. My sexiness is done. My, this is done. I can't have any babies. Can't bring that. Well, I guess I could just be a guy to another woman. No, that's not some low, lower order consolation prize. That's a high ministry. That's an honor. You see, it's an honor. It's not something that's a pass off like your chief Jegna is too busy and he's like, oh, well, go talk to Sister So and so. You know, no, that's a high honor to be uh, what I would call a, sp- a spiritual Ima, you know, or a, a spiritual mother, or a, a Ima Ruach. You see, that's a high honor to be able to pass truth on. You passing on truth to another woman, you passing on life. You passing life to that other woman. And you know, when you pass life and truth to that other woman, you're passing it to her generations. You know, you know what an honored position that is. And like I said, at any point in your life. You have the opportunity to teach the younger and learn from the older. There's always somebody older than you, always someone younger than you. You see, and the thing is, you don't have to sit back in your chair and say, well, I don't know what I can give, though. Like, what could I provide when you when you hear Paul, when he breaks it down? At no point does he talk about like a woman who's talented in the gift of vision or in the gift of tongues or the gift of the no like man just act right (laughs) you know you don't have to have any special gift or anything like that you know he's talking about character you have to have the right character he doesn't even say age he could have said age i mean numbers existed back then but he's saying model godly motherhood and womanhood to the younger woman through your behavior, through your speech, through your ability to control yourself, your self-control. You see, he's and then he cites the culture around. He's and he's saying, "Don't be like those who say they know God but deny them and and deny Him." Excuse me, um, in their works. That's when I, I have read sixteen. They profess that they know Yahuwah. But in works, they deny him being an abominable and disobedient unto every good work reprobate. What woman on BET doesn't give it up to God? Go look at the gospel wars and look at all the R&B artists. They always bring in to come sing. Go just go look at the, the nonsense. They serve drinks at gospel award shows. 
I was fortunate enough as a working musician. I played at the Stellar Awards before, back in the days. I I, I played at uh, I won't say what year. You might even actually see, <laughs> see me. Well, they had the way they had us set up is that there was like a um uh, uh, uh see through like black curtain, so you could see the band behind the the artist. But um, I played at at the Stellar Awards and. It was like any other gig. In fact, I, I I met Sharon Stone. Anybody familiar with the the um the movie actress Sharon Stone? She was there, and I remember being there and saying, "What the heck is she doing here?" It just didn't it didn't fit. <laughs> you know, if anyone's familiar with the Stellar Awards, it's very gospely. You know, um, Negro gospely, and here comes Sharon Stone. I'm like, okay, this is interesting, you know, at that time and at that age. Now I understand things in a much better way. But, um, yeah, man, you know, professing to know God, but denying him in your works. So one of the things about when you're a spiritual imam, you are in every every moment of your life, you're affirming who Yahuwah is in your life. You see, in every moment. That's why you read 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, when Paul says, be imitators of me as I am of Yahawashai. You see, so she's so connected to the doctrine and the theology within application and experience. See, wisdom, she's truly expressing and representing herself as wisdom, as the wisdom. You see, she's not dealing with moodiness and hormones all over the place because she's learned self-control. You see. She loves her family. You know, she's not dealing with in gossip and slander and lust and overindulgence, but she has learned the science of moderation and love. She doesn't have an unbridled tongue. You know, she's learned how to how to work through and even silence her emotions when necessary so that truth can come forward. You know, and she's also learned how to yield through a power exchange with those who are in authority or who may have authority over her, you know, and she applies that joy and that excitement to her practices. You see, she's been able to go through all her different seasons. And even if she hasn't been able to live perfectly, you know, um, by the grace of the most high, she has lived faithfully. You see, so there, there are so many important qualifications that are there, but it's all centered around character. It's not centered around the prettiest or who's got the most money. Sometimes I've seen women do that too. Well, I have a relative or a friend who did really well. They they chose a better major than I did, or they have a rich husband, and now all of a sudden they become an authority. You see that in entertainment now, social social influencers become influencers because of popularity, but not necessarily know how. We saw that during you know the last couple of years of people who everybody became a scientist. <laughs> everyone became a scientist. It's like, wait, do you even know basic biology? You know, people were just getting up on social media saying anything to the point that. It had to be locked down in certain ways. So now even when the right information was coming forth, that was good because I was a victim to some of that. I can tell you how many videos I got removed. That happened even recently. Just for someone's using a word. You know, a five letter word. So it started with C and ended with D. 
Um, but the important thing is that there's a teaching that goes on, man. You know, um, a spiritual mother is at war. And she's at war for the minds and the hearts of those younger women, you know. And that's why when Titus talks about false teachers, he's like, they got to be silenced. And why do they have to be silenced? Because they're upsetting and destroying families. They're targeting the family on purpose. Those false teachers got to be silenced. I can't tell you how many times I turn on social media and see people, uh, relationship experts. They're never married. Or you take like a Steve Harvey. How many wives you don't have by now? And then you marry that. You marry a Jezebel at the at the end of your day. You, like as old and rich as you are now, then you, you end up with a, a industry thought at the end of the day. But you're giving advice. You're telling people what to do. You're destroying homes. And I could go through. A, there was a bunch of. There was the Black Woman Is God movement. Those idiots, all coming out of the House of Consciousness. You know, there was that stupid movement, you know, by a bunch of men who were not married or men got males who were pretending to have three, four wives and didn't have any. Meanwhile, they're still in court right now for statutory rape cases. You know who I'm talking about, the guy who looks like a gecko. You know. His light is real poor. So. It's not enough just to be a quiet example of of these values that we're talking about. You know, Paul is like, yo, you got to go out and teach. You got to make it happen because you have spirits here that are seeking to tear apart and redefine what womanhood is. And sometimes that redefinition comes through abuse. Right. Sometimes it comes through. um, Yeah. Enslavement. But there's other sort of distortions in the name of sexual freedom, female empowerment. Like I told you, female empowerment always equates to a woman standing somewhere with a, a breast hanging out. It always turn. It's always related to sexual immorality. That's always female empowerment. Not, you know what? Us females are going to get together. We're going to buy an island somewhere. It's going to be all female and we're going to create our own society with no help from the the male infrastructure. Nope. Female empowerment is I'm going to walk down the street with my shirt off. And if you look at my breasts, I'm going to scream and yell at you to the point I'm spitting in your face because you're sexualizing my breasts. Stupidness. So female empowerment or liberation, um, gender fluidity, gender distortions. You know, so when you have older women who are teaching sound doctrine, a younger woman, they're making sure that they're not deceived by the culture around them regarding who and what the most high says they are. Remember in the beginning in Genesis, this was created and he saw it or they saw it was good. So an older woman has the ability to tell a younger woman, this is what's good based on what our creator has taught us what good is. That's not good. <laughs> and what's good is what you want. You see, you don't have to, you know, a lot of times people want to like leave their own stamp, you know, you know, you know, a lot of times, unfortunately, um, people want to like, uh, everybody wants to say the new thing, you know, they want They want to be responsible for saying a new thing. So sometimes they'll make things up that don't need to be said. But like when Paul said in two, one, 
Therefore, thou, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Yahawashai. Right. So saying, you know, be strong in the grace that's in Yahawashai. Like you already have grace in the things that thou has heard of me among many witnesses. The same commit thou copy me as I'm copying Yahawashai. You see, you don't have to make up anything new. <laughs> we don't we don't need a new book. We don't you know, the information has been here already. And that's where the respect for those elders, you know, come in in, the, in that sense. You know, but when everyone's trying to leave the next new mark, it's when things get get funky. When you look at Isaiah 520, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Trying to flip things around just so you can say something new that the next person didn't say. So you just flip. So, oh, a black woman is God. What? Think about it. Think about it. Cause, no, no, I'm not going to think about it. That, no, I'm not even letting that in my spirit. Doesn't make sense. And I've, I've heard the explanations because when you're a child and you want something, you need something. Who's the person you call for? That doesn't mean that that's God, you moron. Who's supporting that woman? Who's teaching her? Who's providing a structure for her? Come on, man. But when you already have a leaning for that, you're not going to teach what, what, what Paul called in Titus 2 for um, the affections of Yah. You're not going to teach those things. You're going to teach things that speak to personal gain or that lucre. Things that make you feel more subtle. Well, just make you feel. <laughs> you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna teach more somatic teachings you know things that stroke the ego but when two four like he said that they may teach the young women to be sober to love their husbands and to love their children you know i know what you need to be teaching and to teach them how to live as yah teach that yah's design and roles for women are good this is what's good what's good what yah designed for you is good the role that yah gave you is good Explore that, not it flipped upside down by Cretans or by Americans, you see. So when he says in 2.12 to renounce worldly passions, live self-controlled, upright, so forth and so on, instruct, rebuke, train, declare, exhort, remind, insist, all these different words that Paul is using in a sense, he's making sure these mothers know what the truth is. What's going on at the time? Like, you got to be plugged into the times. Just like how I'm telling you, yo, this is what Crete was like at this time. Look up these people, Caligula, you know, and, and, and Tiberius and, and Caesars, the different Caesars, and just see how, <laughs> see how they lived. <laughs> you know, um, you got your first examples of pornography in Rome. You know, you look on the, the island of um, Capri, you see pornography. I mean, just the, the and, and don't forget to well Tiberius if you don't know Tiberius was a notorious pedophile, right? Um, and he used to like to get people uh, really drunk, and then he would tie these strings around their their genitals, and so they wouldn't be able to urinate. That's what he was into. He was you know he was so he was also a sadist, you know, but he would get them really drunk and then tie them. You know, you give them a lot of wine. And he ties strings around the genitals so they couldn't urinate. You know, this is Tiberius. This is a leader. 
<laughs> you know, um, not to mention all the reports I keep, man. He used to sodomize little boys on, on the island. Um, and sometimes like what he would do is when they would complain about the pain, he would have their legs broken. He would have their legs broken. These are the ancestors of the people who are creating this culture that you're trying to assimilate into your world and try to figure out how you can fit into it. Well, I don't want to have this kind of name that's hard to pronounce because I got to fit in with Tiberius. Who was also famous for. Um, uh, um, oh, sorry about that. He was also famous for assaulting women. That was his other thing. Sorry, I got these notices going off. You see. There were a lot of women who committed suicide behind Tiberius. You learn about him. He's an interesting person. Um, There was a song he used to sing um, in the theaters. um, Because he was known for also being like really like he had an odor. (laughs) He was really pungent. And uh, he was really hairy. And there was a song, the old, the old goat. They would sing to him at the old goat is licking um, the old, the old doe's asses. Doe's, you know, like a female deer. The old goat is licking the old doe's asses. This was about Tiberius, you know. And and remember that that's where you get goat. When you have goat, that's where you get the term Capricorn. Because it, in Latin, the word for goat was um, capria. And capria, you know, um, eventually became, you know, Capricorn, whatever. But, yeah, Tiberius was crazy, man. You know, we didn't even get to Nero. We didn't get to Nero <laughs> or Julius Caesar, right? So it was the combining and the absorbing into these sort of, like, really sick cultures that started to redefine what was good. So when he's saying, man, I'm going to tell you what good is because it ain't it ain't what you're seeing around you. That's not what's good. You see, there's a mentoring or, or a jegging that has to happen with the, the spiritual mother, you know, where her life is built on the principles of her faith and faithful, faithful living. And she's equipping generations to be able to defend the most highs teachings right so we look at like titus actually i can go right to the next one um yeah to be discreet chase keepers at home good obedient to their own husbands to their own husbands that the word of yah be not blasphemed what does it mean the word of yah be not blasphemed you got to be able to defend it you ever go into a church environment you got somebody who grew up in church and they don't know any scriptures you start asking them questions they're like um i don't know how long you been going to church all my life but I believe in Jesus, but you can't defend any of the teachings. You see, what's that worth? So that that call to be in a spiritual parent, man, it's nothing like it's nothing like don't look at it. And I'm, I'm speaking to you women specifically, again, who, who may be done having children or who, um, you know, or who, who who've never had children or can't have, children, you know, whatever the, the, the situation is, you know, or if you still have them, you you know, you might be currently still producing them or raising them. You know, that call to being an Ima and the spiritual like that, 
it's not a consolation prize. When you look at Galatians 4 and 19, when he says, um, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Yahawashai be formed in you. You know, the, the children are taken as a very important, they're, they're nurtured. You know, it's so to be able to, to go to a younger person and, and nurture them and help them to breathe and speak life into generations to collaborate with younger, you know, and it's not disregarding the man. There's too much of that happening. That's that Cretan mindset, that empowered new Roman woman. We don't need the men. I've seen women partner up in communes, all kind of sick craziness like that. Oh, we're a bunch of single mothers. So we all join together. We're raising the children together. You're raising a bunch of abominations. Bunch of abominations that you'll be calling me about later. Chief, I, yeah, he's acting like this or she's acting like that. And I don't know. Where's the father? Well, we don't, you know, he's around, but he just, you know, he doesn't really contribute much. Yeah, because you wanted that. That's what you, you picked that because that's what you wanted. You wanted to be in charge. And this is what your leadership produces. Abominations. When you read First Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 2 and 7, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherished her children so being an affectionately desirous of you we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of yah but only but also our own souls because ye were dear unto us you see the sacrifice the sacrifice you know where you're totally like james brown used to just leave everything on the stage you're just totally spending yourself for those loved ones. So when you have older women who are in the faith, who are nurturing younger women like that, um, yeah, they may come from situations where it's a little raggedy, <laughs> you know, or the home might have been broken, or maybe no one in their house was, you know, walking in the way. Um, but their understanding, their teaching can't, you got to take it on to you. It can't be outsourced. Don't outsource them to religious celebrities or online gurus. Don't. I'm not an online guru, by the way. <laughs> I'm not an online guru. I just do stuff online because it's easier to get to people like that. But I, like I tell people, I didn't, I didn't start teaching on or just do the podcast to 2010. I had, but I, I started in this in, in 1990. The summer of 1990 is when I, I started doing this work. You know, so I already had 20 years in before I even put up a, a podcast. And even when the podcast, when I was still working. So from 1990 to t we're now, what, 2023, I got that's so how much time I have in in this game. 33 years. You see, so you can't outsource people to people who, you know, that that's don't expect them to be okay. Well, watch this video and watch that video. No, you have to have an in flesh, in person sort of relationship as a, as a spiritual Ima or a spiritual mother. And, and <laughs> there's sweat and tears, there's resources, there's heart. Your heart's got to be in your time. It, it's costly. And sometimes it's even risky because people can break your heart. You know, and there's demands that are put on you because you're like raising someone up into mature, mature adulthood, you know. But the truth is, the hardest part's already been done for you because the doctrine is already there. The hard part is, is done. You know, the Most High has already said this is this is for my people. 
for my people, for my Afro Shemetics, this is our culture. Yeah, we drum, we dance, we have big children, big, big families, we, we have children, we eat good food, you, you know what I mean? We praise all the time, we always singing, we always making music, you know, we, we celebrate on these particular days. We get up underneath the sun. We get a lot of sunlight on us. We grow our food. We walk around barefoot, let the soil in, in good soil. We, we wear our, our heads covered. We anoint with oil. We have kings. We have rulers. We have judges amongst us. We already, I'm, I'm t- I already gave you the culture. So that part, that part is easy. We don't have to make up anything new. You see, we don't have to make up anything new. It's already been set there for us. So there's a there's a serious call for you women. I'm, and I know there's men involved, but I'm speaking to the, the, those who um, have the charge of spiritual motherhood. Don't take it lightly, like I said, and don't feel like it. Um, it's a it's a situation where it's like, well, I wanted to do this, and this is this is more glamorous. There's nothing more glamorous than than giving life and speaking life into generations, and that's what you're being called to do. All right. So that's the aspect I wanted to share. Um, I'll be right back. All right. Her 
probably expecting to hear an announcement or looking for an announcement to skip past <laughs> yeah I, I just wasn't feeling it this drunk so i just played some music that's actually the old rough version of um beauty and the beast before uh i think that might have been the first before i cleaned it up and everything so all the um the breathing you hear on the choruses that those deep breaths before the singing <gasps> That's me. <laughs> you know, so I'm not going to put that on my brother. You know, uh, we sung the, we did the backgrounds together, but he has way better breath control than I do. So all that, I always take really deep breaths before I do my backgrounds because I tend to run out. <laughs> so you can hear that. So that's actually the rough version. Even, I don't, yeah, even before I even put the poem in there and stuff. But, um, yeah, in any event, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. From the uh, Noir Mail EP. And of course, Beauty and the Beast is on, is in the Noir Mail book as well that I wrote. Uh, Misconceptions of a Lost Male. You know, so if you haven't checked that out, check it out. But anyway, so that has been our segment. Um, I'm not going to provide a book this strong because like I said, we went over a bit and, uh, I'm going to kind of condense it down now. I'm also not going to do our, our Q and A. I know I'm really behind on Q and A. I haven't done one 
in a couple of days. I mean, a couple of sessions. So, um, all of you who are in the queue, I did not forget you, you know, and, and you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to give a half a question, half an answer, uh, to a young lady who sent in the question just cause, I don't know, children get preferential treatment sometimes around here. But, um, I'm not going to answer your full question, young lady, but what I will say is that yes, I do play all the instruments. She had a music question. And yeah, I do play uh, sax and I do play guitar and piano and drums and percussion, a couple other things. And you can do it too. So you don't have to, uh, I'm going to answer your question in full, but I'm just going to, I know it's a time thing. You don't have to just pick one instrument. You know, you don't have to just pick one. You can, you know, see which ones, certain ones may call to you more than others. I have a, like things with strings call me more than anything else. I can play brass instruments and, and I can play percussive instruments, but I love to see strings move around and the, the sound that they make when they're hit, even piano strings. So maybe you might have a fascination with strings or you may have a fascination with metal instruments or heavy instruments or little instruments, you know, um, play play around a little bit and see which ones are available to you. But I'll get back to your question, but I just want to give you that um, for now. And I promise you, if I can play all those instruments, you can too. And you, you, I'm sure you'll be way better than me. Way better. Um, probably if you stick with it in a year or so, you'll be way past where I'm at. You know, you just got to focus. All right. So with that said, willfully, um, you all have um, gotten some some quality out of this Titus teaching and really understood, you know, where uh, we need to really be in, in lock and in step with each other as, you know, we, we create this line of instruction going down from older to younger and kind of remove false assumptions about even who, like I said, these spiritual celebrities or these religious celebrities are. They can't give us any knowledge. Not any right and exact knowledge, you know, but when we learn to be pure, controlled, guard the home, kind, you know, these different things that we're called to be, um, we can start to create um, the sort of character and behaviors that's emphasized in our old teachings, you know, so uh, willfully that there's no you have no doubt left at this point <laughs> that we have to be separated and dive into our own elders faithful teaching you know interpret it through us not interpret it through our enemies this is not our enemies books our enemies didn't come up with this culture our enemies didn't come up with these we i told you who your enemies came up with zeus the liar the manipulator the rapist that's what your enemy came up with and tried to assimilate it with your beautiful divine cosmic deity you see so i will that you all can um get to a place where you can start to encourage each other you you younger women can be encouraged by older women to love your husbands and to love your children and um you know i said we didn't even get to the men yet but let's start to pour out affection on each other let's start to pour ourselves out for the good you know over each other instead of treating each other like enemies because this jealousy and this envy you know let's start to, to to learn you know we may have to suffer and die 
for a cause, but let's not suffer and die for a worthless cause, you know, or as a result of our rebellion, but lock ourselves into the obedience of our purpose that our purpose calls for, you know, no longer being disobedient and unruly and ungrateful children. They're an abomination. Ugh. You see? So let's start really being jagnas for each other so that we can create this image of the Messiah in each other. All right. With that, uh, it's Chief Yuya, 92nd Podcast, Season 2. Um, if you want to join the ministry that I am the jagna over, if you want me to be your elder man, your more matured spiritual man, go to anulifeglobal.org and hit the join link. Start your application process. This is an application. It's not a, it's not a, everybody can come on in because I create a safe space. I want to stress that. If someone applies and I see that they're coming in to cause trouble or to um, antagonize others and make others feel unsafe, you won't get in. You got to come in with an open heart, ready to serve. Bring your talents to the forefront. Hey, I got this I can do. I got this I always want to do. I would like to bring that to the community. I would like to bring that to the children. I would like to bring this to the elders. May I? Okay, I got to go through a process. I got to learn. I got to study. I have to be renewed. Let's do it. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. All right? So if you're looking for a Jagna, if you're looking for a home, if you're looking for a covering, if you're looking for a shepherd, Someone who can help to guide you and the community can help to guide you. That's what you want to do. All right. And that's the only thing I'm going to talk about in this session. I'm going to talk about consultations and stuff. You should already know by now how to get that stuff. But I'm going to talk about us performing our rightful duty and performing our, our obligation to make sure that we are giving each other what is good based on what our Elohim have instructed and, and modeled for us. With that, I'm out. Peace, everyone. Enjoy your day.